0: Hey, podcast, it's great to see you. Wow, I gotta tell you, today's episode is really, truly a masterclass in all senses of the word because today on the show, we have Mackenzie Linders and she is the Director of Demand Generation and Sales here at MindFire. And the reason I brought her on the show is because over the course of the last year or so, through the heat of the pandemic, she was able to, in her part of the organization, grow sales by 118%. And all of that without spending a penny more on advertising. In fact, we spent less without buying new pricey tech Technology without adding a bunch of sales staff and without her having to become some sort of slimy salesperson in fact the deals come into us so If you're looking for new ways to amplify your marketing, your sales efforts, and you're thinking, Dave, what used to work, the things that we used to do in the past just don't seem to be working in the same ways anymore, then this episode is definitely for you because she's going to walk through how this OptiChannel process works. I pull some insights out of her that are going to clarify for you how to do this if you want to do it yourself, and I think you're going to find it fascinating. So buckle up and let's go. I'm going to kick us off officially here. Thank you all for being here. What we're going to talk about today is this counterintuitive marketing framework that's ignited revenue growth and leads for many different types of organizations. And specifically, we've brought McKinsey on the show today because what I want to be able to do is have as always, a real hands-on practitioner view of the stuff that's most important to you as marketers and as salespeople. And McKinsey, I'm gonna turn it over to you to give a little background for what we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for many years, we've been working or serving service providers, right? So as Dave alluded to, and you can see him on the screen, these are printers, These are agencies, these are marketing companies. And beyond that, thousands of global companies and brands that are powered by the service providers and also that are powered by working with us. And the cool thing is that Because what we do is different, we've been able to uncover something that works, that is not a common theme out there yet. It's really amazing because we've been able to work even more recently with some OEMs, HP, big organizations who are paying us tens of thousands of dollars to teach the same material that you're learning here today. So really excited to have you here. And one thing that I just want to say is that while we've been able to help companies like you and help companies like us, it really wasn't always like that. And I think it's important to know that there is a starting point, the dark point that you may be at right now. And so I just want to take us back a few years and briefly share how we discover this framework, this process okay. that works for us. Does that make sense, Dave? Cool, let's do it. Perfect. And at the time, it's not like we thought that we were doing something wrong. We really felt like we were running an organization, a marketing and sales operation that. We felt we were doing all the right things. Maybe we had all the right pieces, but we later found out that what we were doing, just it wasn't working. I don't think we had the right recipe. Pieces, ingredients, wrong recipe. And so Dave's going to show a picture here, but it's a picture that we took back. That's our computer screen working on it. And it was late in the evening. I remember these nights, you were probably getting millions of texts from me, Dave, but we are yep. working with one of our engineering teams on a product that we have, which is called Studio. Some of you may know it. And I remember thinking, okay, we have this incredible technology, incredible things that we're doing, but we were not hearing this connection with our sales and marketing team. They were saying, actually, our leads are dry. We couldn't reach people. We would send a lot of emails, like the one you're seeing, we doctor them up spend a lot of time and energy, but then crickets, people weren't replying. And so we had a great product. It felt like no one was interested and we're trying to figure out, hey, I thought we're doing the right things, but it's not actually working. And so we were doing things on social, trying to be cutting edge, but again, no one was engaging with us. And so our database felt like, hey, no one's in here. And actually we had a high volume of people, but it felt like an empty barrel. Has this, have you experienced this? Have you felt, like, wait a minute, I have people or customers that I can talk to. I'm doing a lot of things, but it's just not working. Does it sound familiar? Cause I, know, I remember it vividly. And so as this problem really started to compound, Dave started to think, shoot, what are we going to do? Because he's one of the co-founders of the company. He holds responsibility of all of our employees. And so he at that time figured, okay, we got to figure this out. We got to look at what's going on. And so at that time, like many of you too, we were spending tens of thousands of dollars to go to trade shows. And because we had few leads coming in, people weren't reaching out to us. There was, you know, very little interest. And so we were really trying to create demand. So you can see this picture on the screen. We were honestly desperate and we're saying, what's going on? Why is this broken? Why again, why do we feel like we have the right ingredients but it's not working. What is the recipe that we're missing?
0: Yeah, you're bringing back some pretty vulnerable memories for me here, Mac. I remember those times clearly. Just for any of the business owners that are here, any of the business leaders, if you oversee sales and marketing or McKinsey, as you mentioned, if you're responsible for payroll inside, when this kind of thing happens, and I know a lot of you have felt this, certainly over 2020, it's scary. You think, what if it's over? What if there's something so wrong that it can't be fixed? And I know a lot of you have felt those feelings. So, Mac, let's talk a little bit more about what exactly were we doing? What was the stuff that we thought would work that, that didn't work exactly the way you wanted it to?
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned, fragmented there at the time, we were doing things that we thought were working. So we were exhibiting at trade shows. Okay. We were on social media. We thought we were doing it right. We were sending email blasts here and there. Have any of you done these things? You feel yes. like you're doing them, all these things. It's not like I'm coming up with some wild things, but again, the way we were doing it just wasn't working.
0: Yep. I remember from my vantage point, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to put this photo in here. This is my family, two of our kids there. We now have four. I remember vividly during this time. This is a few years back and it was this little Blondie's birthday. That's Emmy right there in the middle, my daughter. My daughter. And we took her to Disneyland, of course, the happiest place on earth. And I remember during this time, I'm the kind of guy, by the way, that documents everything. I always have my cell phone. I'm taking pictures and videos. By the way, there's a very specific reason why I do that. I'll I'll share that with you here in in a moment. Mackenzie knows where I'm going with that. But I remember I took this picture here and Mackenzie, I was texting back at that time to one of our sales leaders. I remember specifically walking from where we parked. I was trying to enjoy this special day with my daughter, walking to the park, pretending to be taking pictures of my kids, but really, texting back to the office to see what was going on. So here I am allegedly at the happiest place on earth, right? My wife, my kids, but it was far from the happiest place for me because inside I was worried sick. And I know many of that feeling, the leads were dry. As you mentioned, McKinsey sales sucked and I was worried. So I'm here trying to enjoy my family. I'm smiling on the outside, but on the inside, just worried sick. So Matt, thank you for letting me share that, but let's get back to the, the nuts and bolts here. What happened?
1: Yeah, so here's what happened. I told you a second ago, remember, that we were doing some fairly standard marketing strategies at the time. It's not like we weren't doing anything. And we realized, you know what? And I said this in the beginning, Dave and I are very hands-on people. We said, listen, if we want to diagnose the problem and create a solution, we actually have to get in there. We have to be hands-on and figure out what it is. So we actually took over the marketing operations. That was back in 2015. I I vividly remember that. And we started to quickly analyze what was going on. And the good thing is that there was some some sunshine shining through. There was a few things when we looked at it, we're like, okay, that's actually working. Okay, this has a little life in it. It wasn't all bad.
0: That's true. Yep. I remember that time, Mackenzie. And while you were trying to get your arms around that, I remember inside, I was thinking, look, the pressure's on. We got to figure out how to make this work. There were times, I'll admit, again, here's me and my family. And I remember feeling inside, what if the worst case scenario plays itself out? What if we lose the business? What if we have to fire everyone? All the families on the line not only just our staff, but also clients. We consider them family as well. And so I remember what happened shortly after that moment. Some of you have heard this story before. I ran out to get diapers for one of our kids, Abby, actually. And as I was headed out to Target, all of you have targets in your area, I came across this gentleman here. His name is Dave. And I could tell from my my senses that he was homeless. And I'm ashamed to admit, but most often when I come across uh, people like that, I just, I keep going. Again, I'm just, I'm being honest here. But that day, thankfully, I stopped and I spoke to him and we ended up having a conversation and spent time together in a way that really profoundly changed things for me. Not only from a humanistic perspective, where I, I realized that the difference between me and the difference between me and, and where he is, is a razor thin margin, especially with everything that's happened in the world. I think you can probably resonate with that. But From where I'm at to where he's at on the street, really the difference is razor thin. But what happened is that conversation shook me so deeply. This moment, this time I got to spend with this guy, I ran home and I started writing it. I started writing about that experience because that's a catharsis for me. And I I did happen to take pictures of our time together. Again, if you think that's weird, I'm going to tell you why I do that here in a minute. I ended up uh, running into another buddy there at Target. We bought Dave some shoes. We took him to Five Guys. If you like Five Guys, it's a burger joint that many of us have. Yeah, you do with McKenzie. And I remember I ran home, I wrote about this, I posted pictures about the experience, and I started doing that. I started actually going out and finding him in the city I knew where he hung out. Over the course of a few weeks, I started uh, doing some videos with him and sharing that. Um, here, Here again is my blog. I shared it on a personal blog, okay? And I wrote a series of stories about my time with my friend Dave. And what happened really surprised me. Two very surprising things. Number one, people would walk up to me with wads of cash and hand it to me. Not for me. But they would say, this is for Dave. Your story touched me. Please give this to Dave. That shocked me. Second, which was even more surprising is people started to ask me about Mindfire. We're a software company. We sell bits and bytes, right? How in the heck is this story getting people to talk to me about MindFire? They're asking me, what do you do? Can you help us? It seems like you're everywhere. Can you do the same thing for me and for my company? So, Mac, if you don't mind, folks, look at this later. You don't have to look at it now. But if you want to look at the history of how this happened, you can look at the blog later. Just bookmark that. Keep that for later. But what I realized as I did this, if I go back to where we were at that time, Mackenzie, and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to detour for just a second here. What I think I realized as, as we were doing this work, I had this epiphany suddenly that, my gosh, where people are hanging out online, where people are hanging out in general, let's just say it like that, hanging out, right? has profoundly changed how we need to do business. And if you're not where they are, and if you're not creating content that's contextualized to where they are, you're gonna fight an uphill battle. Maybe this sounds cliche to you, but this was an epiphany for us. We realize, and COVID has made this even more dramatic now, I think. It may seem simple to you, but there's a ton behind this realization. Mac, as you say, this was the unlock for us.
1: So if you don't mind if I jump in, beyond that was that there was another part of this realization, right? We found that while we were communicating the old fashioned way, we were also missing another huge important piece of it, which we didn't even think of at the time, but the world has evolved and so have organizations buying decisions. So typically standard, it says, typically people make decisions and involve 5.4 people in the organization to make that Mm -hmm. decision. Actually. Some places say up to seven, but that means that when you are marketing the way that we were doing it, marketing automation, emails, trade shows, all the stuff that I talked about, it wasn't addressing the fact that these decisions are being made by multiple people in an organization.
0: Yep. So we realized, as you said that, look, we're missing the boat bigly, if I could say that, big time in two places. (laughs) Number one, where people are hanging out, how they're communicating, and secondly, how B2B decisions are being made and how they're being made in concert with many others. And what used to work well for us and what used to work well for many of you, I think you've realized has stopped working or is dramatically different. And so what I want to encourage you all, and as you listen to McKinsey continue to share the story, is think about where you're engaging your audience right now. How often are you engaging them? Are you doing what we're describing here? Because if you're not, and there's some very specific ways to do it, we're going to show you some data to illustrate how this comes together. If, if, if it's not working for you, what you're doing, then you may be on to why that is now as we continue to share this.
1: Yeah. And so just to quickly wrap up our, our story here, like I said, I think it's important to lay the foundation in some context as to why we're teaching you this. Go. What we started to do is we started thinking, okay, we've spent all this time analyzing. We've had a few epiphanies all the way, on the way, and we ended up doing this. We took all the stuff that we saw was working, those rays of sunshine, as I called them a second ago, and we started to say, listen, let's take advantage of this, turn it on its head and take those ingredients- and make them into a new recipe. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is we, we started to realize, okay, we're doing this and we're doing that. And again, we've got the right recipe now, but we were doing a lot of the, these things manually, one by one doing this here, doing that there. And so that's when we realized that in order to scale this out, we really need to pivot. And so we needed to pivot so that, that our marketing technology actually addressed all these modern challenges, the way people make decisions and address facilitating that new recipe. And so what we did is internally, we poured a lot of time into what we called the secret project. We put we, secret project, which we call DaVinci. And initially, honestly, it was just for us. It was just us trying to improve our marketing and sales by putting the power in technology to address these challenges. But then as we realized, hey, we're working with a bunch of other people, all the people on the line here who are experiencing these same problems. Again, they might have the right ingredients, but the wrong recipe. And so through months of figuring out, okay, how do we make this work for others? How do we make it efficient? we actually started to realize that, wait a minute, there isn't just one or two rays of sunshine. There's a clear roadmap. There's a clear strategy where all of this puts together into a recipe that actually works. And so here it is. We're giving you, we're showing you our cards here, and don't worry, we're gonna unpack all of this, so don't worry. But this is what we call the Opti-Channel social selling framework. And so we like to use this illustration because it's really simple to understand. And we're going to just walk through each piece. And then, like I said, don't worry, we're not going to leave you hanging. We're going to dive into each piece. So in a nutshell, here's the model. Number one at the top. Yeah. Dave's moving his cursor. You need to decide what way of communicating you are most comfortable in. So in Dave's story, when he just talked about his time with homeless Dave, he did it through words, right? He, he wrote on the blog. Yep. So that's number 1. Number 2, you need to create content from the viewer's perspective. Again, this is a big shift, not from what you want, but from the viewers or the recipient's perspective, and the key here is that the content that you produce, it needs to provide value. The other per- the person on the other end of the computer or the screen or whatever needs to think, "Shoot, this is something that is giving me value that I'm learning from or getting something from, right? So like Dave said, when he started producing about his time with Dave, people felt valued. They felt connected. They wanted to help Dave, right? Now, number three, here's an important piece. You need to share it and not just share it or publish it, but you need to do it multiple times a day. You need to do it on the platforms that matter. The places, as Dave said, where people are hanging out, where your attention, eyeballs is high and where the cost to put out content there is low. So your audience is there, attention is high and the cost is low and we call this attention arbitrage. We'll unpack that a little bit. Now the fourth piece of the framework here is that you need to learn how to siphon the engagement from it. So again, not just good to actually share it, it has to be meaningful to you. You have to be able to pull something from it. Now here here's the big thing. When you put this together, we start to understand that it's a framework that works over and over again. Now, here's the big unlock. And now people are you're gonna understand what's opti-channel. People are like, I've heard multi-channel, I've heard yeah. omni channel. What is this opti-channel thing? And here, let me explain it to you. It really comes down to three things. So one. You need to be hanging out, aka publishing content, in the optimal channel for your client or prospect. Again, it's about them, right? It's, you don't get brownie points for sharing it and no one's seeing or getting value. So you need to figure out where your prospect or your customer's audience is, and you need to reverse engineer that to figure out where you can put that content so that they see it. Number two, and we're going to unpack this again, ideally, you need to find the channel that's content deficient. Again, we're going to unpack that, but you need to find the channels and the places that are content deficient. And number three, when you publish it, you need to put out content in a way that's contextualized or relevant to the place you're putting it. You need to put yourself in their shoes and think, okay, if I'm publishing this content here, what's the frame of mind that person is in when they're there? So that's really what it means when we talk about
0: Mac. I know that for people like me, and I know you call me a computer all the time, robotic, <laughs> but I like data. So yeah. did you prepare some insight into kind of like from the numbers perspective, how this has worked?
1: You betcha. People want the numbers. They want yep. the results.
0: Show me the show me the data.
1: Show me the money. Show me the data. So let's talk about the results. So what happens when you do this? Again, we're speaking from experience, right? So these are the kind of results that we got. Let's see it on the screen. Before right. we put this in place, we were doing on average 79 leads per month. And again, you have to remember we are going to trade shows which is a place you can get a lot. So this number even to me feels a little inflated because sometimes you collect a lot at one event, right? Now, after we did this, after we put this process in, and this is last year during a pandemic, we were getting about 496 leads per month. And I'm not just talking names of random people out there that fit some profile. I'm talking people that are interested in talking to us, people that are engaging with our content where they want to learn what we're doing. All right. So let me just walk you through the years. In 2015, Like I said, when we started, we were at 79. In 2019, we were at 496. And then last year in a pandemic, we actually brought it to 325. So it did go down a little bit, like I said, mm. from 496 to 325. But I do think it's important to know, and, and this is part of siphoning that engagement, you need to be honest with yourself and realistic about your team. Sometimes more quantity doesn't mean more out the other end if you yep. don't have the team capacity to actually follow up with them. So that's something I definitely want you to
0: think. Yep. And also, like you said, we how many trade shows did we budget last year? we go to any zero? Okay. Yep. And so what about dollars? Those numbers are good, but as any sales leader here or business owner is going to say, you know, what, what kind of money did that bring in? So can you give us some idea contextually?
1: Yeah. Like I say, we don't get brownie points for sending or brownie points for leads. We want to show me the yep. money. So leads are good, but of course, revenue is the final say. And these are our sales resorts, results year over year. So again, 118% up in revenue and 43% more clients. And again, this was in the pandemic last year. I think that's key to understand.
0: Amazing. Now, so that worked for us. I know that we've been really active in sharing this with the community. And there are other stories of folks, companies, business leaders who are doing the same. Can you share a few of those?
1: Yeah, so here you see Brian Gallaud on the screen. I love that we have the siphoning part because he understands that you actually have to pull something from it. But again, like you said, cool. It works for you. Does it work for anyone else? And we actually interviewed, you actually interviewed Brian. Yep. Uh, that was one of our earlier series. So if you missed that one, you can go back and see it. But if you want to learn exactly what he did to get the results that you're seeing on the screen, again, you can go back and listen to it. But he's a great example of being able to siphon. I was going to say, yeah. So yes. not only did we have the interview, which you can go and watch if you like to consume content in video form, but if you're a reader, right? Think about that. We just put that in two places. We put it video and a case study in writing because we want you to be able to consume it on your preferred channel. So just Mm. reverse engineering.
0: One other thing, Mackenzie, that I'd love to to share with people here as you're talking here reminded me of how often I hear from folks out there and probably some of them are here in the room that, look, I'm putting stuff out there on social. I'm publishing. I think maybe doing some of the things that you're talking about here, at McKinsey. but what happens when I do that? Or what if nobody's really listening? And I just want to encourage some of you. This is a text message I actually got. When you do this, people will start to come to you. They'll start to email you. They're going to start to call you. They're going to start to text you. This stuff can happen to you. When you use what McKenzie's laying down today, the difference is that you're engaged in a conversation with your market. It's not a pitch fest. And by yes. the point that they reach out to you, and Mackenzie, you can attest to this because you're on the receiving end of this. The person that's reaching out, the company that's reaching out already has some element of knowing who you are, liking what you do, what your company's about, and an element of trust. And what can happen is if you're in sales and you're using this model that he's talking about, you can handle that opportunity yourself. If you're the business leader, the business owner, the entrepreneur, the sales manager, as these inquiries come into you, Get your team involved. By the way, we have a strategy for that too. I don't know, Mac, maybe in the Q&A, we can talk more about that. What happened for us, if I, if I take this back to us here at MindFire, Mackenzie, for just a moment, is that I don't show me here on the on my boat just to, to brag, right? That's not the idea. The idea here of this picture is in contrast to where I was before when I would be smiling on the outside and worried sick on the inside. Now when I'm smiling, like you see me here in the picture with my kids, I feel different inside. I feel differently because in this unpredictable world that we live in, there is a predictable way for engaging one's audience, customers and prospects to drive leads, to drive conversations that ultimately leads to sales. And that's because we have figured out this Opti-channel social selling framework. That was that. the key. I know. That was the key that we were missing. And that's that brings me personal satisfaction. I know it does to you, McKenzie, and our whole team and our organization that's always serving people. We get to talk about this before the pandemic. We were on stage talking about it. Now a lot of it is virtual like this. So thank you for that setup, McKenzie. What I want to do now, I want to go a little bit more deeply into the specifics of that framework that you had on the screen, okay? And in our preparation, I pulled out kind of three pieces here that I think are important. How specifically this, this strategy gets executed. Number two... I think that anybody can really copy what we're doing here. Once they understand, and I'm using your words here, one very specific unlock. I'd love to talk about that. And then third, how to force a, did I tell them the social? No, I'll keep that. It's a a social network that you're probably ignoring right now that can give you a lot of free eyeballs. And McKinsey, we can talk about that. So those are the three things I want to dive into. If you're ready to go, secret number one, if you're taking notes, let's dive into how this unusual strategy, McKenzie, took us from, let's just say, broke to growing in a recession. How does it work? I'm going to bring it back up on the screen here. Take out that pen and paper. This is the the model that you, you had on the screen a second ago, McKenzie. Number one, figuring out the modality. That's what I heard you say. Number two, you have to communicate with value. Number three, this idea of attention arbitrage. Let's talk about that a little bit more. And then fourthly, how do you siphon the engagement that's being driven here to turn that into to leads? So what did we do? How did we how did you figure this out?
1: Yeah, we got super excited because we're like, wait, We've got the right recipe. And so as part of this this journey that we were on, we're like, okay, we got to, we got to tell everyone this. And so when we discovered this framework, we started to really invest a lot into content. You can see here a mic and a little chair there, but what you really see in the bottom is equipment for a podcast, right? So we launched a podcast, Pixels and Ink, many of you have heard it. Yep, we also started to do videos. So we started to create videos. But again, if you've done this before, it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And then another modality is is we started to write. We started to produce and create a lot of content. And here's the thing, it worked really well. Well, actually to this day, that's a very high performing content and we wrote it a long time ago, but honestly, it costs us tens of thousands of dollars to produce content like this. It may seem, wait, it's a case study, but again, there's a lot of things that go into it. And so I want to ask you, have you ever tried to produce content? And if so, how challenging was it? I want Are you, you asking to drop me in or- the audience. <laughs> oh,
0: come on, men and women. Have you tried this? Yeah. So Mackenzie's asking, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried... For you or your organization, creating content, are you good at it? Is it time consuming? Is it expensive? Yeah, I see. It's very challenging. Peter says, I'm horrible at it. Keep those. Yep.
1: Oh, lots of people. (laughs) Time consuming,
0: says Katie. Yeah. It looks like folks are resonating with you. So go on. Yeah.
1: So there's me. And there's me right there. So all the things that we just described, the podcast, the videos, the writing of the eBooks and content, those were all working. But again, A, they were taking a lot of time, B, they were taking a lot of resources, and C- Sometimes, unfortunately, and this is just the nature of it, but sometimes we put it out there and there'd literally be crickets. Meaning we just spent all this time, energy, resources producing content. And sometimes we figured out that it actually wasn't working. No one was actually responding. And so we then put our heads together and we said, what's up here? Why are we doing some things well? And some things are completely falling flat, right? And so we realized, listen, we have this opportunity. It was really something that we discovered together that we need to look at signals of what's already working. Meaning there's some content out there that you've probably consumed that I've consumed. And we're like, wait, it's already working. People are engaging with it. People are loving it. They're saying, hey, this is a great article. And so what we were able to uncover is that if we can leverage content that's already working, that people are engaging with, we could actually get around this nasty problem of yeah. high energy resources and time. And then sometimes it, it's falling flat. So let's just dive into what we explained by already working. If you can Yeah. Just and show it's interesting.
0: Right? Joe in the chat just said, my concern is having enough content. So Joe, for the rest of the audience and those who feel like you, check this out. This may help. Here's what we found. I remember McKinsey laying in bed, kids next to me on my phone, like many of us do, checking out Facebook. And what I decided to do, which was a little bit different than most nights, is I actually typed in direct mail. Do you see this up here, McKenzie? And folks in the audience, can you see this? I typed in direct mail here in the search. And what happened is I noticed that it came back with a bunch of content, a bunch of articles. Can everyone see that? Drop a yes in the chat if you can see this. And what I noticed is that, McKinsey, to your point, we could see the engagement. 947 likes here. 16 comments, 161 shares, 704 engagements here, 268 comments, what is that, 86 shares. And so I started to realize, just as you said, that there are tacit, there are implicit, there are hidden signals here that are giving us some insight into images, headlines, topics that are already resonating with the market when you look at it through the eyes of a producer you'll notice these signals that makes sense everyone and so what i thought is hey is this also true on linkedin i typed in direct mail over to linkedin and all of a sudden i realized yeah I can see it there too. And I remember distinctly, McKenzie, the next day I ran into the office to share this with everyone. I even dinged my car door. I hit one of those poles on the way out. And uh, I had this thought around, could we use these signals, I remember this, to write content with a similar headline, like leverage that headline, or is there a way to even use that existing content and somehow piggyback off of it? You remember that? And I remember yes. the looks that I, would, that I got from many of you It's what are you talking about? I know it's a strange idea. I know it's a bit unorthodox, but folks, let me share with you and Joe and the others who were saying it's hard to create content. Let me share with you something that you can do. I found this service called Snipply. Write this down, S-N-I-P dot L-Y. You don't have to go there now. Just write it down and we'll send this to you. It's not a MindFire service, but here's what it does. It allows you to find a piece of content. Let's say you find an article, forgive me for using CNN. It's just an example here. Find an article on CNN that's resonating with your audience already. It allows you to put this, you see this banner here at the bottom? That it allows you to put a content overlay, a call to action overlay on top of that so that when somebody reads that piece of content, they can click through to your website. Let me show you another example. Imagine this is a blog or an article that Works really well for you. Using Snipply, you can create a unique URL that you can use to share that content. And look here at the bottom. You see this? Everyone give me a yes if you can see this here. You can embed this overlay on top of that content to lead people to your website. So the idea is content that's attractive to your market, a call to action that now gets them to engage you off of that content.
1: And so as we did this, one, 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 one. I see that. Yep. So as we had this unlock, we said, okay, let's push it out there. Let's test her. So what we started to do is we started to take this content that we forgive the word hijacked or piggybacked or borrowed. And we started to share it multiple times a day on all these different channels. And we found that we could pull. And again, we're going to unpack this a little bit in a second. We were able to siphon a subset of people who were viewing those articles again, that they thought were valuable and they would convert into leads for us. Remember, One thing is that I was going to say was that, one thing that made this even easier is that we noticed that we'd get more engagement, more leads, if we did it in the right place. Again, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that, but I think that's important here.
0: Yeah, and the other tip I want to give everybody, and you reminded me when we were preparing for this, is as you start to realize that this works for you, and you start to figure out how this can work for you, I remember having the, the thought, shoot, is there like one place where I can go and uh, search for a theme And then it would go and look at Facebook, look at LinkedIn, look at Twitter and pull it all into one place. And in fact, there is, yeah, there is something for that. It's called Buzz Sumo. Again, write that down, not a mindfire product. You can do a couple of free searches there. And for example, you can type in the word direct mail and it'll come back and it'll show you how engaging these various articles are to your particular market, to your audience. It gives you a clue, right, as to what's working. And so that's a great tool. Write down Buzz Sumo. You can go look at it later. And I know some of you are thinking, what? why do I need to use somebody else's content? Let me say something to that, okay? First of all, you don't need to. You can use it to inform you as to what's already working, meaning you can thematically mirror that content, or you could use it. You could leapfrog and use it. And when people say, why should I do that? I I often will use this little quote, you can always tell who the pioneers are because they have arrows in their back and they're lying face down in the dirt. What does that mean here for us? As I reflect on our story here, Mackenzie, to me, it means, look, you certainly could go out and create your own content. Many of you that in the chat it's time-consuming it's expensive it's frustrating it's hard i hate it all of these things that are difficult about it or you could use this idea here that we've just given you
1: yeah so this is we just unpacked it but and i like you how you have around the modality here but this is how you accelerate your results in number one and two and how you take that content you share it across multiple channels and then you actually siphon engagement right so that's a very that's a very important piece so what you need to do It's really simple. Three steps in order to replicate this yourself. Number one, find content that's already working, right? Look for those signals that Dave described, right? The likes, the comments, the engagement. Number two, you want to hijack or use that content, embed it in a page, and add your own call to action. Again, that call to action is going to allow you to siphon and draw people back to you, create leads. And then number three, you share it. Yep. And so I like this picture because this is a picture of an actual email inbox. And so Suddenly when we did this, we started to realize, oh my goodness, we are waking up. And if anyone knows Suzanne, she's the one who talks to a lot of leads when they come inbound. So she can attest to this, but our inbox started to get flooded and filled with tens of hundreds of inbound leads while we were awake and while we were asleep all the time. Yeah. And so I like this example because it's someone who's first of all, She's awesome. I always looked up. Look, I always look up to her. Her name is Joanne Gore, but she's actually learned to do this same thing. She's learned the value of sharing content in the ways that we're describing to you here. And further, she's been able to replicate it by putting it in the optimal channel. We're going to get to that in a second, but she's able to find a place where you get the optimal channel. Here's what she says. She says, thank you. I sent out four proposals last week and booked three great meetings. I am way more confident in front of a camera. I know you hear it a lot of, I know you hear it from a lot of people, but I'm so bleeping glad that we met on the trade show floor. So this is someone just like you who was able to put this into practice.
0: Yep. Folks, keep those questions coming in for me, Let's hold those, Suzanne, please. And make sure, Suzanne, you're looking over in the Q&A as well. I can see that coming in. I see a question around, um, do the content owners ever have an issue with you back on their content? Let's yeah. hold those questions, Mackenzie, just for the sake of time. I want to make sure we get through as much as we can. Is that okay with you? And, and, and you've been gracious enough to stick around at the end. We'll make sure to answer all those questions. So let's get into number two here. This is why I think everybody needs to pay attention to this, because I think that you can clone, you can copy, you can emulate this process. Once you understand this very specific thing that we want to share with you here. So as we work through this process that McKinsey has shared with you, what we found, as you mentioned, McKinsey, that was that even our own existing uh, marketing technology, the stuff that we used, wasn't sufficient to execute these kinds of workflows. You mentioned that. And we started investing in this internal project, uh, codenamed. Da Vinci, And so if you look at the screen here, folks, McKinsey, you said that you mentioned this, that the workflows that we created were very manual, very time intensive, very time consuming, but we found that there were certain workflows like the one we have here on the screen that worked really well. And this is just one example of you know, if you take a piece of content, that's what's depicted here. And you put that overlay at the bottom, right? And you drive people to that content from a variety of channels like email and social. And if you do that well, you can start to siphon that engagement and turn that activity into a lead, okay? Now, that's a workflow that works really well. That's an an example of a journey that you can use as well. I want to show you how to do that. And what we decided to do was to make this a recipe or a template, if you will, that allowed us to run these types of workflows much, much more easily. And so the way we bake this into our own where these were the four steps we said, all right, number one, let's have the software help us identify the market that we want to go after the market. We want to engage number two, I'm using the word hijack, but I know McKenzie, you also suggested piggyback, right? Number two, can it help us piggyback off of some existing content that's appealing to that market? Can we build that into the software? And thirdly, can it help us drive traffic to that content? And then fourthly, siphon that engagement and so i want to do a quick demo of what that process looks like what i want to do now is i want to walk you through those four steps in the strategy okay here's step one where we define the target market so we come over here to my markets And what I'm gonna do just for um, this example here is I'm gonna create a new target market. And let's see, I'm gonna call it direct mail target market since I know we have um, a lot of direct mail folks here. And I'm going to tell the system to find content that is related to direct mail. Okay, so that's what I'm doing here. I'm telling the system, go find me some content that's related to direct mail so that I can then in step two, hijack that content to be able to create engagement and siphon leads back to me, okay? So I'm gonna go ahead and hit refresh and then let's go inside of this target market right here. And as you can see, it's come back with a lot of content all related to direct mail. Can you see that here? These are articles that the system has found that have engagement. And what I often will do is I'll sort over here by the different engagement tally. So I can see, for example, this one is uh, doing fairly well on Facebook and I've sorted by Facebook here. I can also sort by total engagements. Can you see this here? So this will give you a sense for how well content is doing across the web across social okay so without having to create your own content you have an idea of a what kind of content is working headlines imagery thematic content etc and b now you can also use that content. Let me show you. Let's just find one simple example. Let's see here. Let's use this one right here, okay? So when I click on that, it's going to open up from our friends over at Brand United. This is your brand on direct mail. And let's say you read through this and for your particular needs, this is a good article, okay? Let's say you, you have a commercial print house, you do print and mail, and you wanna talk to your tribe about direct mail and siphon some of that engagement. So let's pretend that's your scenario. I'm gonna come back here, right here, And I'm going to say, add a call to action to that, okay? So what we're telling the system to do is I want to add that call to action overlay on top of this content, okay? So that we can start to siphon some of that engagement over to us. And we're going to pick this one right here. Actually, let me show you what that looks like first so you have an idea. Here's the preview, okay? So this is that same piece of content. We now have a unique URL for that piece of content with our call to action overlay down here. Do you see that? So in this example, I've added an overlay that I already had created that's a uh, report about the future of direct mail and the reader can then download a study by clicking this button, okay? So it's pretty congruent with this content up here. So what I'm gonna do is I'll say, okay, let's go ahead and launch that. And that looks fine. And what the system is going to do now, part of the magic behind the system here is in step three of this process, it's going to actually create an OptiChannel campaign to be able to help us drive traffic to that okay so that's what i'm going to show you now i've just shown you first of all how to define your target market we made the direct mail target market i showed you step two which is how to hijack some content for that and now step three i'm going to show you how the system actually creates a campaign like all of the elements that you need all the opti-channel elements that you need to drive traffic to that piece of content okay and the reason why you're doing that is so you can siphon engagement from that content and turn it into leads okay so let's come back here and you can see the system has created two campaigns for us one is a drive traffic this is the kind of Opti channel campaign that's going to push people to that piece of content. And this is a capture lead campaign. This is the one that's going to siphon the engagement. Okay. So, first, let me show you the drive traffic. We load that up. And remember, the system has done all of this on its own already behind the scenes for us. Okay. This blueprint, that's what we call this a blueprint. It's an opti channel blueprint that allows you to do this more quickly and easily. This blueprint is designed to drive traffic to a piece of content. And for this purpose here, We're using the one that we just found a second ago, okay? But it could be anything. But in this case, I'm showing you how to use this one. Now what's cool about this is, check check this out. These are the different optichannel touches that you can use to drive traffic. This is an email. And look at this, it's already written most of the email for us. So of course you need to come in here and say, "Um, thanks for reading this. Oops, can't type today. Love, who do we have here on the line? Just pick on you, Brian. (laughs) Love, Brian. Okay, so you can go in and customize the email. You can hover over any of these areas. They're all editable. You can change the image, but what's really helpful here What saves a lot of time is that the system has gone in and pulled out things like the subject line, the preheader, the image, the text here, so that you have 80% of it already done. And of course, you can also do the same thing in Facebook. You can do the same thing in LinkedIn. We don't have time to go into all of that today, but the system is going to help you drive traffic. That's the name of this blueprint here, drive traffic to that piece of content. Now, as attentive salespeople, we need to know when certain things are happening to that content. So the system makes it very easy to say, hey, notify me when somebody's opening up an email, okay? Notify me when somebody's visiting. This piece of content. When somebody's actually reading it, let me know. Okay. And that's what these alerts do here for you. Very helpful, folks, for siphoning the engagement from that piece of content to turn it into something actionable. Okay. Now, the last thing I need to do is just schedule when I want this sequence to start and who I want it to target. Okay. So if I have a list, a CSV file, or maybe somebody from my database, a list of people from my database, I can say, all right, send it to that group. We could call this our clients. And you pick it from here. This is a list of all the people you've uploaded, set the date and time, and you're good to go. Does that make sense? Now, when people go to this URL, when you're driving traffic to it, let me show you something real quick here. Let me pull it up. Here it is, right? People are gonna read this content. They're gonna like it. And when they get to the bottom, they're gonna see your call to action overlay and they're gonna say, huh, that's interesting. I wanna find out more about that. So they click on that button. And what it does is now it takes them to a landing page that you're using to siphon engagement from that piece of content. Does that make sense? Give me an X in the chat if you understand that we're, we're, we've come from this content here. You have your overlay. You now have something that's thematically related to that content, driving them to a landing page where in this example, they can download an ebook. I'm just gonna do that real quick here for you just so you see what, what happens here. And now it's gonna, it says, thank you for s- sending in your contact information. Check your email to get the ebook. Now the system I'm gonna show you has done all of this for me behind the scenes. Let me show you where that is. Sure, let's leave. Here's that campaign right here, it's called a capture lead. This is the one that in step four is going to siphon the engagement, okay? So step one, we defined the target market. Step two, I showed you how to hijack some content. Step three, I showed you how you're driving traffic to that content, and now step four, you're going to siphon engagement by using a landing page here that's set up to capture information from the interested viewer, okay? So here's the landing page we just saw. I can come in here, let's just remove that. Let's say we wanna say, welcome to your ebook. I don't know, that's a silly example, right? But I'm just giving you an idea of how you edit the content here. Similar to what we did in the email, we can add more text here, just hover over those areas and start typing. We can change out the form over here. There's a variety of forms that we can pick from, all with the intent of making it very simple to siphon engagement from the reader okay now that's the welcome page here's the thank you page remember we saw this a second ago so we can change all of this stuff here let's add another exclamation mark we're super happy today and that's basically it there okay so i'm breezing through the setup of the landing page that's a very important part of the process because what you're doing is you're now taking readers turning them into people you can communicate with and the way you can communicate with them is numerous you can pick up the phone and call them or the system has a built in email sequence that they can start to get. In other words, they can be dripped on by an email sequence here. So, as soon as they submit the form in that landing page, you've now siphoned that engagement, and now you're going to nurture them with an opti channel drip sequence here. Does that make sense? And just like I showed you a second ago, all of this is editable. Now I'm gonna pick a different name here. I'm gonna put, who should I put? Lisa. Thank you, Lisa, for letting me use your name there. And uh, you get the idea, right? You can add any number of emails, change the subject line, change the image. All of it is 80% done for you. You just gotta go in and configure the rest. Now, I didn't show you this, but you can change. I think I see somebody, yeah, I think I see someone asking this already. You can change the layout. There's different templates, a variety of different layouts that you can use. Um, You can even make it look, handwritten, very simple. You can change who it's coming from. There's a lot of settings that allow you to customize it, or if you like getting into the HTML and you have a, a layout that you wanna use that's custom, you can also do that here through the asset library. You load that asset, and then you can use it there in any of your emails. Now, since the whole point of this is to be able to engage with people as they interact with the campaign, similar to what I showed you a minute ago in the Drive Traffic campaign here, you can get notified when people visit that landing page, Let's say we wanna send it to our sales team. Of course, when a lead is created, when somebody submits that form, we need to know that, and this is where you can turn all of that on, okay? What I just showed you here in just a few minutes, and I'm flying by all of this at a very high level, I showed you the strategy around Number one, how you create a market that is going to collect content for you. This is basically a bucket of thematically related content that you know already works. And there's a lot of other options here. I don't have time to go into all of it, but that's the first thing we've done here. Second, I showed you how to hijack that content so you can start to then drive traffic to it with the campaigns that the system pretty much sets up for you in advance. And then fourthly, how you can start to siphon that engagement, in other words, take those passive anonymous viewers and turn them into people you can engage with by using this Capture Lead campaign here to turn those people into someone you can work with. Does that make sense? Everybody get that? Mac, it looks like we're a few minutes behind where I want it to be. I wanna make sure we leave plenty of time for Q&A. So what I'm gonna do, folks, is I'm I'm gonna move right now into the third piece that I want you to share with us, McKenzie. I see a lot of questions coming in about what we just demoed. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna skip over some of what we have here, McKenzie, and uh, let's get into um, this third part here so that we have plenty of time for everyone's questions. Mac, why don't you te- why don't you key this up and then let's move through it.
1: Yeah, so perfect. So we're going to go over secret number three here. So let's say that you have this new framework in mind, right? Everything we just taught you, which we've just shown you. And you see how anyone can start to actually accelerate the results using this. So. There's a little problem that some people run into here and it's that they don't have enough people to bring into the circle of influence. So someone mm-hmm. actually just asked in the chat and yep. I said, we actually do solve for it. But what that means is, Hey, we don't have enough new names. Like I said, we were scraping the bottom of the barrel for names. So what I want to share with you is how we're going to be able to do this. Ready? Let's go. Let's do it. Perfect. So again, we're going to go into the area that we just talked about and that's the arbitrage. So this model is predicated upon the idea that you need to take advantage of a few imbalances in the market dynamics. Like I said, we're going to come back to this. So here's why we call it arbitrage. The most important thing here, number one, is that you need to be in the optimal channel for your client or prospect, right? We talked about that. You need to figure out where that is today. Not again, where you are. So some people say, I'm not on Facebook. Why should I market on Facebook? It's not about where you are. It's about where your optimal prospects and customers are, right? Where is their attention? You need to reverse engineer that. Then ideally you want to place the content that you want. You want the, the place that you find them. It should also be content deficient. Remember, we talked about that, but we're going to explain that in a moment too. And then lastly, when you publish it, you need to put out the content in a way that's right for the platform. Contextualize it. Think about what is the frame of mind in this person when they are in this platform. So let's just explain this, right? This is super important here.
0: So Mackenzie, one of the things that I think might be helpful for everybody is this idea of how this social selling framework helps you actually bring new people in as you're talking Mm -hmm. about. So let me just talk a little bit more about that since you raised that a second ago here. As McKinsey mentioned, if you resonate with this, you have your existing database that you want to market to, but you also want to be bringing in fresh new people. Who who else has that need? That's what we found ourselves needing. And what we found to piggyback off of what you just said, Mackenzie, is that there are places that are content deficient. One of those being LinkedIn. And I'm ashamed to admit, but I'll just be honest with everybody, before we endeavored in this, I thought LinkedIn was just a place for like resumes and uh, online CVs. That's what I thought. But what we found was actually something so much different than that LinkedIn is actually giving away quite a bit of free organic exposure. And what we found is that there were four pieces that we were missing about LinkedIn that once we put into place, helped us unlock this process. Let me just share those real quick with you. Number one, you got to get your personal profile on LinkedIn dialed in the right way. There's a very specific way you need to do that. Number two, Mac, you touched touched on this. You got to publish content on LinkedIn. That can be posts. That can be comments. You got to connect with people in your market. And you need to be social. You need to engage, right? What, what They call it social media for a reason, right? <laughs> these are the four things you have to do. We don't have time to go through all of these, but these are the four critical parts of this framework that you need to understand. Now, the reason why we're, we're so big on LinkedIn right now is because it's an optimal channel from a few perspectives. It's giving away a lot of free exposure. In fact, this is, I think just for the first six months of last year, we pulled this uh, McKinsey The approximate value of the eyeballs that LinkedIn gave us, if we had tried to pay them for that, was $48,236. That's free exposure that when you learn this framework, how to dial yourself in on LinkedIn specifically, you can also be able to take advantage of that free organic exposure. Now, one of the questions I get a lot, uh, Mac, is uh, what the heck is a content-saturated platform? Can you just very briefly unpack that? What does that mean?
1: Yep, exactly. So let's just first start with the content-saturated platform. So these are okay. platforms social networks is what we're talking about that has more content than users viewing that content. Right. So you can see that on the screen there. And so basics supply and demand, right. That means that there is a surplus of content. Now, when there's a surplus of content, the platform serves your content to only a portion of your following, because again, There's so much content that yours doesn't get as visible, right? So that means it's not necessarily easy to get in front of the people that you want to get in front of. So classic examples right now are Facebook, Instagram, bad for what we call organic reach or free eyeballs. On the other hand, and this is where you want to be, there are platforms that are content deficient. Mm. again supply and demand. So that means there are there is in these ones these are there's few but these are the very important places that you need to be. And so when you are on a content deficient platform, an example right now is LinkedIn or TikTok, that means that you get more organic reach. Your content is going to be seen by more people because again, supply and demand. People want to see that content.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So without getting into all the algorithm technicalities which You know, is a black box for many people. This is the thing that I would like you to take away from everything McKinsey is saying is once you understand this, and in fact, the data support this, I looked this up, McKinsey, less than 1% of people on LinkedIn are publishing content, which means that the other 99% are consuming it. Put yourself in that 1%, folks. Do yes. what McKenzie is suggesting, and you will have an advantage, a significant advantage over the rest. And what starts to happen when you do this right?
1: Yes, yeah, so it's wild, but once you start to do this, you start to put your content on content-efficient platforms in the way that we described, people are going to start to reach out to you. It's not like you're going to send it out and there's crickets. People actually are looking for your content. They're thanking you for your marketing. Have you ever yeah. received the email? Thank you for the email send me more emails, please. A lot of times people opt out, but when you do it in this way, people want more because it's a value.
0: One thing that I know some people are self-conscious of, Mac, and you and I talked about this in the pre-meeting here, is that the idea of publishing content can be scary, right? Oh my gosh, what am I going to say in a post? Folks, listen to this. If that's you, does anybody feel that? Give me a one in the chat if you resonate with that. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm scared. I don't know how to actually go out there and write a post. Give me the one. Okay, check this out. Dropping a comment on someone else's post can get you results as well. Look at this. Here's Rachel. She actually went through a session just like this. Look what she says. I have been calling on a design firm, haven't done any work with them yet, who recently did a post. So her potential client posted showcasing some great political posters that they designed. I commented on it and I just got an RFQ. Does that make sense? Comments are a very easy way to start if you're scared, if you don't know what you're doing, if you want to dip your toe into it and build that muscle. The science, the data behind this shows us that only 10% are leaving comments. Again, You'll have a big opportunity. I suggest you publish the way Mackenzie's talking about, but if you're not ready to do that yet, one more thing I want to share with all of you, okay? Mac, I know earlier this morning, you texted me an idea about something we wanted to share here, and I'll let you talk about that in a second. But I know that for a lot of people, the idea of publishing content, um, especially if you're new at this, you put something up and it's crickets, like like we talked about, right? McKinsey, meaning that maybe you don't get people to like it or there's nobody commenting. What I want you to remember from everything that we're talking about here, and McKinsey, I'm underscoring a very important point that you made earlier. If you think about this from the perspective of always providing value, See what it says here on the screen if you continue to publish even when you think no one is listening I assure you that's not true they are you could potentially be missing six figure deals and let me explain to you what i mean by that here is a real text message we received this person is now a client who had been seeing our content we he wasn't even in the, their company wasn't even in our sales process This is a six-figure deal, okay? What was it? 150,000, I think, Mackenzie, right?
1: 165.
0: 165. And because of us continually putting out value into the market, we had a six-figure customer sitting there we didn't even know about. Look how he texted me later. He said, it's funny how life works. We talked to you three years ago when comparing Mindfire to uh, another uh, company you always kept in touch. I basically hate everyone, (laughs) but you're a real good dude. Now, I am. hopefully I am a good dude, but it's because of the material the content and the investment in you that we make that he says that you built trust with me as I saw you grow and develop your random acts of kindness is why we went with you without even discussing price folks you now know a secret it's not a random act of kindness right I see Mackenzie shaking her head it's intentional giving away a value that's yes. part of the strategy are your brand people don't understand that we didn't even question price because you had and therefore my partner's trust Does that makes sense everyone give me a yes if that inspired you Give me a yes. I want to see the LinkedIn folks. Give me a yes over on LinkedIn. Give me a yes over here in Zoom. Give me a yes. Get those yeses dropping in. What I want to do, Mac, I want to make sure we leave plenty of time for questions. I know officially we have 90 minutes on the calendar today. Let's get into those questions as soon as we can. Folks, get your questions ready. Suzanne or Mackenzie, whoever's is, Suzanne pulling the questions together in Zoom? If not, okay, here's a question I want to ask for you. Thank you, Mackenzie, for sharing all of that. Get your questions ready for Mac. We're going to bring those up. Question I have for all of you now. I know that we dropped a lot of value. We gave you a lot of insights today, right? Do you think this could work for you? I know you have a ton of questions. I know we've gone over this very quickly. We're going to try to answer as many as we can, but I want to give you an opportunity if you want to learn more about how to apply this in your business, Mac, you've given some very specific steps. But if folks, if you want to go deeper, I want to give you an opportunity to learn how to take that next step and what the opportunities are for you as a business owner, a sales leader, a marketer to apply this. And McKinsey, we spoke just early this morning uh, about this. You said, let's put some time on the calendar. If people want to talk one-on-one, we're giving you this offer, everybody who's still here. If you want to talk one-on-one next week. We've blocked out time on the calendar to talk with you, to figure out how this could work for your company, for your sales situation, your marketing situation, to help you engage your customers and your prospect in this modern way. And there's no no obligation. We just want to talk if you think this can help you. Now, Mac, if you don't mind, take that URL. Make sure it's www.mindfiremarketing.com forward slash yes. If you want to talk further about this with Mackenzie, she's a wealth of knowledge. Don't miss out on the opportunity. Mac, who specifically are you thinking would be most aided by this opportunity here?
1: Yeah. So the first one, and as we talked about, this is, this is about impacting your leads and revenue, right? So number one, this is for you. If you are a sales or marketing professional who wants to jumpstart your marketing, who wants to say, listen, I am feeding our sales team qualified leads. That's the first group of people, right? So if that's you and you want to talk about this and how it applies to your business, go to that link and, and schedule some time. Now, the second I think this is really important and we didn't really talk about it here, but we can talk about this if this is something interesting to you. This is service providers who want to sell Opti channel services to their clients. And we can talk about that a little bit more, but if you're saying, wait a minute, I'm a service provider. I run campaigns for my clients and I think that I want to add more value to my clients campaigns by employing the strategies and tactics that we've described. That's also for you. So again, you want to use this for your own business to kickstart your sales and marketing and or you wanna help provide this to your customers, right? There's a lot of opportunity there because again, this is a small, subset of information that people know about right this is something that only a few people know about so if you can add that value you can get closer to your clients and grow your business with it as well
0: yep and thank you mac i know we only have a limited number of spots on the calendar so folks if you are interested please take us up on this we we talked earlier on the session we'll make sure that we get really clear about what your goals are we want to make sure this can actually help you if you want to understand will it work for me we got to understand more about your business first. We can't prescribe a solution unless we know a little bit more about what your goals are. And then what we'll do is we'll give you the specific steps that we think you can use to apply this framework to get the best possible results in the shortest amount of time, okay? So you can eliminate some of the pain and and, and discomfort of having to try to figure this out on your own. Mac, did you throw that URL there in the chat? MindfireMarketing.com? Okay, perfect. Yeah, I see Katie already grabbed some time. I see a couple people already grabbing that. So I'm going to give you permission. You can turn me down for a minute before I pull Mac back up on the screen for Q&A. Go over there. If you would like to set some time, let's do that. I always like to say that when you get information like this, folks, you have two options. Number one, you can do nothing and miss this opportunity to talk to McKinsey and talk to our team about how you can apply this. There's, there, it's free. We're not asking for anything in return, right? Or you can schedule a session, take charge of your marketing, your leads, and your sales and see if this works for you, all right? So if you're ready to improve either for yourself and your organization or, and like you said, Mac, we didn't really talk too much about this. If you want to offer this to your customers, learn how to do it for yourself first, and then consider this as a value-add service for those of you who are agencies, print service providers, who are involved in delivering marketing outcomes for their customers. This is something you can offer them. So Mac, I know a lot of people have self-doubt. They wonder, can we really do this? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm... And and you'll notice if you go to my LinkedIn profile and talk talk with me more, but I'm into yoga and fitness and things like that. And one of the things that we talk about in here is that oftentimes we allow fear to dictate Mm -hmm. our choices. And in order to make that a reality, make that tangible, our brain starts to come up with excuses that then we apply and say, oh, it's not going to work for me. Number one, if you feel like, wait, we don't have content to push out yet. Or you're saying, you know what? We don't yet have the best list. We don't have great data or shoot. I'm not technical enough or I'm not a marketer or any other slew of things. Yeah. I don't want to be salesy, whatever it is. Oh, we're too small. We're too big. Again, these are excuses that your brain makes up to block you from doing something that you are fearful of doing. Now, again, if there, I want you to know that we're scheduling a call. It's risk-free. There's nothing There's nothing that you're tied to at the end of it. But if you feel inside what you described is something I want to do, I want to grow my sales, I want that outcome, then I encourage you to book a slot on the calendar because that's when we can actually talk one-on-one. I can share some more experiences, discuss your specific use case and find if this is a solution that you can employ to, to make those changes and make that impact in your business.
0: Thank you for speaking honestly, Mac. Let me give folks one more piece of data for those that are data-minded like me and then let's get to those questions. One more reason why I think you need to consider this. Why is this more important than ever? This is from some recent uh, survey data, actually, that LinkedIn did of over 500 sales professionals. 80% of those folks said that they have somewhat or completely shifted to social or virtual because of COVID-19. Of those who responded, 57% believe this new model of virtual selling, social selling, is better than the previous traditional model and 46% expect to continue doing this in 2021. What we argue to you, listen up, finding a sales model, a marketing model that embraces this new reality that McKinsey shared with us today I don't think is a nice to have. I think it's imperative. The companies, the people that act now, you have an opportunity to realize a significant competitive advantage. If you don't do that, I argue, you face a really real risk of being left behind. This divide between buyers and sellers that we talked about at the beginning of today's session, if it was already drifting apart before the pandemic, before COVID, think about it now. Think about where we are now. I got this little note from somebody the other day. It was Actually, it was, I think, last year at some point. He sent me this note from, uh, this guy, what, who's it? Matt said, nothing should go back to normal wasn't working. If we go back to the way things were, we will still have lost the lesson. May we rise up and do better. And I just thought, man, what, what a great way to encapsulate what you've been talking about here, McKenzie. I'm going to throw that back up on the screen here one more time. www.mindfiremarketing.com forward slash yes, if you want to take some time. And now let's get to the questions
1: we're gonna go through your questions I just want to make one more point and I think about this a lot if you want success typically let's say I'm experiencing success today the success that I have today is because of stuff I was doing six months ago or a year ago so nothing good nothing that actually provides results happens overnight this is stuff that you actually have to work out now we're giving you a framework that's going to actually work if you put it into practice but again, If you put it into practice is key. And so if you're thinking, I want to be X in six months, I want my sales to be at this. I want that in the future. What you do today is the most important part, right? It's not about where you are. It's about your trajectory. What are the actions that you're taking today? Where are they leading you? And if you want to change that outcome, you need to change what you're doing today. I just think that's important because I always try to remind myself of that. So let's go over to a few questions. George says, is the overlay in DaVinci placed on hijacked content the same as Snipply? Dave, do you wanna take that?
0: Sure, yeah. So, George, so Snipply is not a Mindfire service, but the overlay that I showed you in that brief demo is actually built into the Mindfire software. So, as we figured out, as McKinsey shared, that this was something beneficial, we took the concept and applied it to this Opti Channel model. And that's actually part of the MindFire software now. Okay, so anybody who has MindFire, or if you're interested in taking a look at that, let us know. It's built in. That makes sense.
1: Yep, that makes sense. Let's just jump right into the next one. I think this is a great one. And hey, Richard, great to see you here. Richard says, "Can I use this process to share my own content?" So I'll just take it since you took the last one. We'll we'll go back and forth here. So the answer is absolutely yes. And actually, Richard, a few people have asked us, "What if I have content?" If you have cr- content, more power to you, that's great. So this process works with any content, whether you produce it or whether you find it and you notice that it's high, it's high value content based on the signals and you use it again, you just need content to put it in the system. But if you don't have content, we don't want that to be an excuse, right? We want to give you the tools to be able to employ this process if you don't have content. So that's why we share with you how to hijack or use other content. But if you've got content, fantastic
0: i see a lot of questions came in mac is this being recorded i need to share this to other people i need to <laughs> review it i need to digest it what we'll do for you do you who, who wants the recording drop the word recording in the chat in linkedin as well as in zoom if you want the recording what we'll do is we'll put it somewhere for you uh, and we'll include the slide deck i see a lot of people asking for that we'll put up the audio if you want that as well you can certainly look at that or is the link still on the screen yeah book a time to chat with us if you want to go one on one and figure out how to take some of what you heard today Thank you again, McKinsey, for sharing all of that. Make sure to grab some time on the calendar. I give you permission to go over there and do that now. Take a moment to do that. We'd love to talk to you. I see a bunch of people asking for the recording. We'll make sure we get that out to you today or latest tomorrow. Mac, what other questions do you see coming in right now?
1: Yeah, I see honestly there's Sandra, there's a bunch of people asking about the actual platform. They want to learn, okay, what do you actually do? How can you help me? So maybe if you just want to cover that, and then we can go on to some of the other questions.
0: I actually, give me a second here. I can pull up a slide or two. So folks, if you look at the screen, I I think I touched on this at the beginning. If you're new uh, to MindFire, if you're new to who we are, a marketing technology company, we do help printers and agencies and B2B, B2C companies reach and engage their their customers using OptiChannel. And we do that through software like what you see here on the screen. I did a brief overview of that during the uh, demonstration today. I pulled a couple of snapshots here together for you. You can build these opti-channel workflows. You can mechanize a lot of what I've talked about. You can automate much of what we've been going through today. Charts, graphs, dashboards. Even a CRM, for those of you who are pulling in pipeline activity through your OptiChannel campaigns, there's a CRM built into the system. So that's one thing that we do. We have software that helps you build and manage and execute these OptiChannel campaigns. The second thing we can help you with is training. We have a six-week training course. If you'd like to find out more about the software or if you want to find out more about our training course, we have a six-week course that takes you through the next step here. How to learn to find engaging content to use it for your own organization. How to actually push that out to create leads. How to dial in your LinkedIn profile. How to write content specifically on LinkedIn that's going to get people to engage. There's a very specific way to do that. How to get people to take action on your content. So, that you're bringing them to you. Now, the reason why this is important, specifically as we talk about LinkedIn, 81% of buyers are more likely to engage with a strong professional brand. So, if you don't have your LinkedIn profile dialed in, you're missing out on opportunities. 69% of sales professionals that view the profiles, meaning people that they want to work with, 69% of sales professionals that view the profiles of at least 10 people at each of their target accounts are 69% more likely to exceed quota. You don't know how to do that. And if you're not set up correctly, again, you're missing an opportunity. You're 70% more likely to get an appointment or an unexpected sale if you're part of a LinkedIn group. You're not taking advantage of these things. You are leaving money and opportunity on the table. Okay. And we've got Numerous students that have gone through this that have used the training, used the software. Here, Dave Buck, we're starting using MindFire. And this weekend so far, we probably have 20 orders come through as a result of our campaign. So if you'd like to learn more about that, again, go to that URL, Mac. I'm going to get back to your questions. I know that people always wonder, is this for me? Yes, we work with a lot of printers. We work with a lot of agencies, B2B marketers. If you're in marketing, if you're in sales, if you're in leadership, this training, this software is all for you. What other questions do we have, Mackenzie? Mackenzie.
1: Yeah. So there was a great question, which I just want to bring up. And I think it just reinforces our optimal channel, but someone asked, and I'm trying to find the exact wording. Okay, here, I'm trying to find your, I'm trying to figure out how your service is going to benefit our company who do not believe that social media matters. So there's two pieces of that I want to talk about. So if you're saying in this case, Michael, Hey, our company, meaning our ownership or our leader, they don't believe social media matters. One thing that I think that you need to tell them is this, it doesn't matter where you are, right? Like the example I gave 10 or 20 minutes ago, I'm not on Facebook does not mean other people are not on Facebook. And again, you're not marketing to yourself. You want to market to your audience. So instead of thinking, I only want to put content in places that I am, I encourage you to walk away from that and say, I want to put content in places where my audience is. Again, that's the most important part. So that's number one. If you're saying, you know what? We looked and we did a lot of research and some social media channels are not our optimal channel for our audience. That's okay. Again, our whole gig is Opti channel. If your audience is not on LinkedIn, we don't want you to spend your time putting content on LinkedIn, right? We want you to get the maximum ROI from your time and energy spent in your marketing and sales, right? We don't wanna make this more complicated than it is. So what we encourage you to do is share it on a lot of places if you don't know where they are. Now, once you start to see, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize, but my audience is on Reddit, or shoot, I market to a lot of engineers and they're on YouTube, or wait a minute, I'm a B2B marketer. I market to other businesses and they're all hanging out on LinkedIn and it's content deficient. So that attention arbitrage, you get more eyeballs, then that's an optimal channel for you. So again, we want to encourage you that it's, this is not a one size fits all approach. This is a model and framework that you can follow. And again, it all comes down to where are your prospects and customers and what content can you share that's valuable to them? Once you do that, how do you siphon that engagement so it brings leads and businesses, organization sales to you, right? So Mac,
0: that's, yeah. Mac, I saw somebody say that they wanted to talk further about this. I think it was Peter, you responded to him. When you go to that page that McKinty gave you the link to folks, uh, just fill in your information there. And then one of our uh, incredible team will reach out to you and put a specific time on the calendar. I saw Peter asking, I didn't see a specific date and time there. We'll figure out um, what works best for you. I see another question coming in here uh, around, um, hey, if we don't have people that can help us internally implement this type of marketing yeah. and who have the uh, the mindset to be able to do this. Mac, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I actually have, let me pull this back up here on the screen. We can help you. Can you see that, Mackenzie? I okay, can- you want to talk about that first?
1: Yeah, so at the end of the day, this is something that we want you to put into practice. So if you fall into the camp of, I love what I just heard. I want to change my business. I want to grow my business. I want to increase leads. I want to increase sales. However, I don't have the team to do it, or I myself am doing so many different things at my company. I just don't have the bandwidth. I would like to employ another person, an expert or team to do this for me. That's also part of our organization. So as Dave mentioned earlier. We are a technology company where in many cases we license our technology to you. You use it and put into practice all the things we teach you to get results as well as training. But if you do not have the people or resources, you can still fill out that link and we'll talk about it because we do have an entire team of copywriters, of programmers, of developers, of digital ad specialists, of marketers who can actually be your set of hands to employ that.
0: Yeah. So I listed the process here. What our team uses, we, we meet with you to understand what your goals are, help you understand what the right opti-channel campaign workflow is going to be we can articulate the steps and help you implement those steps and then help you along the way and hold you accountable. The reason why we say accountable is that McKinsey you often use the the gym example, right? When folks learn this new process and why don't you why don't you use why don't you describe the story about how somebody wanting to improve their their health goes into the gym And what happened?
1: Yeah. And again, you'll notice I use a lot of fitness examples because that's what resonates with me. But you can't go into a gym, sign up for the best gym in the world, sign up for an incredible trainer and get a plan, but then not actually show up and get results. The results come from the actions that you take. So part of what we want to do is hold you accountable Your goals. If you sign up with us, that indicates that you want to put time, energy, and resources towards achieving some objective, right? Either that's marketing and selling, marketing your own business, increase in sales, or and doing this for your customers. You sign up and you invest in that. Now we're going to hold your hand and make sure that you are accountable to actually doing the things that you need to do to get there because without taking action, nothing gets done. And I see a lot of good questions here. I think we should just jam through them. Yeah,
0: I I have a question for everyone though, because I know some people had a schedule to 9.30 uh, Pacific time. Mackenzie, you're still good? You can stick yeah. around for a few more okay. questions. Okay, folks, stick around. If, if you got to leave, just say goodbye to us in the chat. And before you do that, did you guys, and, and men and women, get a bunch of value from Mackenzie today? If you did, give get her some exclamation marks. Give her some love there in the chat, in mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Yes, yes. Over in LinkedIn, on Zoom, give her some love. Say, thank you, Mackenzie. Hell yes, <laughs> says Peter. Yeah, give her some energy there. Just a star. Thank you, Mackenzie, for your time. Mm-hmm. Let me read, uh, Mackenzie, how do I pronounce that? Lord is... Okay. We have a system in place we provide to our clients. The link that is missing for us is how to find our target audience. We are a printing company and do direct mail as well. We would like to reach the marketing department, the marketing director. We can help through direct mail and integrated marketing through social media and Google network. How does this compare with what you can help us do? Mackenzie, why well, don't I let you take that one?
1: Yeah, so from what I understand, basically it sounds like you have a system in place that you provide to your clients, but the link that's missing is how to actually find that audience. So there's a few things. And, and actually a lot of people have asked about the actual target audience. So what I think you're saying is we wanna know who those people are and can we collect the data of those people to market to them, correct me if I'm wrong, Lourdes, but I think that's what I understand from it. So yes, just like we give you the ability to find your target market. So direct mail, like as the example that Dave showed in the demo today, we also give you the ability, and this is actually pretty new. So if you're here, you're probably hearing it first. We give you the ability to target and find companies within your ideal customer profile like an account-based marketing strategy, but hey, if I was able to get in front of these companies, that would be really impactful for us. That's our optimal audience. Then even further, let's give you the ability to segment the company and find the appropriate people. In your case, it sounds like you're saying, I think the marketing directors are people that are in leadership of marketing at those companies. So let's search for the marketing directors or the leaders of marketing, leaders of sales. Show me who those people are. So yes, we enable you to do that. And then once you find those people, can you give me the information, the data of them so that we can reach out to them? I think about it as a top of the funnel strategy, right? Filling the top of the funnel with names. So yes, absolutely. Just like we do in the target market segment, we give you the ability to target those specific people.
0: Piggyback on that. Lourdes, forgive me if I mispronounce your name. I am horrible with names. Mackenzie knows that. That's why she's laughing at me right now. Look at the screen here. Uh, For everyone who has a question like like that one, we also have what we call a content pack, Uh, Mackenzie. I'll... Describe what I mean by that. So if you're a print company, if you're uh, in the situation similar to what was just asked around wanting to engage your customers and prospects with valuable content that's going to be specific to them to help sell more direct mail, as an example, we actually have a number of pre-developed Opti channel campaigns that are, what would you say, 80% ready, right, Mackenzie? Yep. where you and your organization customize the last mile, the last 20%. So here's the one, actually the one you described earlier in the uh, session today, McKinsey. all of the emails, the landing page, the white paper, the ebook, the nurture sequence, all of the opti-channel stuff is already configured for you along with the high value payoff, which is this PDF, all ready to go. That's one campaign that's ready to go. Another one is this one about how millennials respond to direct mail. So perfect for the question that was just asked. This we did in conjunction with US SPS is a study, fantastic information in there. Um, Again, everything is there in the campaign, the emails, the landing page, the PDF, the eBooks, the thank you nurture sequence. So if you're looking to take advantage of this and you want to use content that we know already works to engage your audience, book some time with us. Let's talk it through, see if it's the right fit for you. McKinsey, as you mentioned, we also have, they heard it here first, the My Market section that allows us to help build a top of the funnel with new fresh companies and new fresh names using LinkedIn and a variety of other backend data services so that this content, these campaigns can engage those people and bring them into your funnel. I'll shut up, Mac. What's the next question we have?
1: I actually just want to read a comment from Matthew. Par- actually, just so people know it's not rehearsed. What did Matthew Parker just put in the chat at 9.37 AM? For our, we're in Pacific time, so two minutes ago. Do you see it?
0: Hello from the UK, that one?
1: Yeah, read that one.
0: Matthew, my man, the mover and shaker himself. Hello from the UK. Apologies, I'm late. I was just winning a new client sourced from LinkedIn. Yes. That's (laughs) That's awesome. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, my man. Appreciate you being here from the UK. Let's give Matthew a little love. Mackenzie, I don't know if you can, but actually folks go to LinkedIn, look for Matthew Parker, connect with him.
1: Yep. Question from Richard. Love this question. Can direct mail be combined with this strategy? Dave, do you want to take that one?
0: Yes, absolutely. Actually, I posted about that this morning on LinkedIn. We're seeing, I think resurgence is the wrong word because it's been surging, but a a rekindled interest in direct mail from both B2C and B2B organizations. And actually in this series, in this live series, we're going to bring some direct mail folks on the show. And we're seeing it in all sorts of verticals, financial services, healthcare, insurance, even retail. Uh, There's a lot of verticals where direct mail as an optimal channel for reaching people at home is really uh, starting to tick up connecting that with a, a personalized URL to connect it to a landing page or a microsite like what we've talked about here today is a strategy, is a technique that we can help talk through with you as well. So McKinsey, who asked that question?
1: That was Richard.
0: Richard, okay, Actually Richard. If local you-
1: to California.
0: Oh, really? Yep. Richard, if we haven't scheduled time yet, please take us up on that offer. We'd love to talk that through with you. Next question, Mackenzie. Okay, hold
1: on. I'm just putting it up there. All right.
0: While you're doing that, let me just circle back on this idea of why content is so important, especially if you're in the B2B scenario. 92% of business-to-business buyers will engage with you, men and women, as sales professionals, if you're known as an industry thought leader. So when you use this model... This is one of the benefits. This is one of the effects of this model is that you will be seen in a different light as a thought leader. 92% of B2B buyers will engage with you if you're seen in that way. All right, McKinsey, next question.
1: All right, next question. Steve, this one's for you. This is more of a specific question about us at MindFire. So Steve says, is this service a subscription-based or software that is purchased? What type of budget should we be expecting? You want me to take that one?
0: Sure. Yeah. Go for it.
1: Perfect. So just so you know how our software works again, we have two applications, right? Using this for your own marketing and, or you don't have to, but an option is to resell to your clients and customers. So because of that, our whole business model surrounds usage, your opti channel usage, as we call it. So if you are not sending text messages, because that's not where you, that's not the medium that your audience is in. We don't want you paying for text messages, right? However, if you're sending a bunch of emails, we only want you to pay for what you're actually using. That's what we call channel usage. So our software is a licensed subscription and it depends on volume. So if I told you, that's kind of asking how much is a car? It depends. What are you looking for? All that kind of stuff. So there is pricing on our website, which I'll share in a second, but really it starts at $394 a month. So as low as 394 a month, and again, it all depends on the volume, the opti channel usage that you're going to be using. So we can talk through that. Let's see how Steve again, but again, it starts at 394 a month and you get everything that we just described. And the other thing is that that I don't want this to be a sales pitch, but Dave mentioned training, the six week training course. And a lot of people think that's going to be separate. So we wholeheartedly believe that your success in using the platform comes from in part knowing these strategies and tactics that we described today. So what we did is we designed the six-week course, which goes much more into depth of what we talked about today, but uses the same exact framework, just breaks apart each piece. And that's all included in as well. I think that the training is really important and it helps you, whether you're a leader salesperson. Yes, sir.
0: see Fran saying, thank you for your time. I'm interested in looking at and discussing your solutions. I want to make sure, Fran, before you drop off, go to that URL that McKenzie pasted into the chat. Let's make sure we have time on the calendar. Did we already get your request? If not, please make sure we do that Fran. Steve F, did we answer your question? I think McKenzie did a great job articulating that. Let's see. Chad says, I have to leave. We have a team that I believe is using your service. I'm just learning and trying to understand all that they can do. It was an awesome presentation. Thank you to you, McKenzie. Richard says to you, McKenzie, thank you. This was helpful in setting up our conversation next Wednesday. Nicole and I are looking forward to speaking with you. Awesome. Richard, did he grab time
1: on the... No, we actually spoke yesterday. I told him it would be great if he came here to get some context and we're going to to speak
0: next Wednesday. So yeah. Okay. Cool. Kevin says guys have to run. Have a great weekend. Kevin, you too. Thank you. Fran uh, says we'll do. Yeah, f- like Fran, others who are here. If you want to uh, talk with us, Mackenzie, please drop that in one more time. This is a only a few spots left. I think I'm I'm out of the loop in terms of how many have signed up already. But if you want to talk, please go there to that URL. Let's see. Ginger says thank you. Great information. Ginger, you're from D scoop. Awesome. Love D scoop. Peter says talk to you soon. Looking forward to speaking with Mackenzie. Thank you both. Erica says I just jumped on so looking forward to recording hopefully coming to me yeah erica definitely mac i saw a question here earlier from somebody and forgive me because there's been so many they wanted to know a little bit more i think around if they're a print company or an agency i can't remember which they were what does it look like to sell this to a customer can you talk briefly about that
1: again The value that that you're going to be able to extract more revenue from your customers. If you are a partner, a printer, a marketing service provider, an agency, If your business is to help run programs, whether it's direct mail or digital ads or whatever it is to your customer, you're going to be able to extract more value from them and deliver more value. If you are delivering the most cutting edge, modern ways that they can get in front of their customers. And since we work with and have since 1999, hundreds of thousands of printers, marketing and agencies... Marketing service providers and agencies, we realize that listen. Not only do we want to equip you with the technology and training to use this on your own business, but why wouldn't you want to apply this opti-channel social selling framework to your customer's business, right? So let's say you are—I'll just take an example—a printer. You send direct mail on behalf of ABC Company, which is your client, and ABC Company is using that direct mail to let's just say get more donations. Maybe they're a nonprofit. Right. So you're sending direct mail as a way to tell an audience about this nonprofit to get them to send in donations or something. How do people interact? They're on their cell phone, they're on their computer. So, what if you put a QR code on that direct mail piece or a personalized landing page, or you said, hey, text donate to a keyword? That makes it easier for the recipient of that direct mail piece to make that donation. Less friction to the receiver more conversion. So this is just one example how you can use opti-channel marketing in this example as a service provider.
0: Yeah. So Mac, actually I just pulled, if everyone, can you see the screen? Yeah. I, I pulled up a slide here that I think might be helpful to everyone. If you're wondering yeah. like McKinsey just articulated what it looks like as a service provider, again, print company, agency, marketing services company, there's a demo site that has two uses here that I want to share with you real quick. Number one, we provide this to you as a service provider to help you educate your clients as to the potential opportunity they have with you. So, It's a built-in demo site that you all get to use and brand to your organization. The reason why I'm mentioning this to you to piggyback off of what McKinsey just said is when you start to think about how am I going to sell this to my customer? You're going to need a partner to help you do that. That's what we're here for. And you're going to need tools to market and sell it to your customer. That's what this is an example of. So take a look at that, fill in the form, sit back and wait for a few moments and you're going to see the different channels start to come at you, all right? And when when you're a service provider with MindFire, you're able to not only have access to the mindfire software as mckinsey has described here but also create a number any number of sub accounts for you to service your customers in so they get a dedicated instance to mindfire all right so i hope that makes sense mac thanks for letting me riff on that and let's see what other questions we have here What do you see?
1: Yeah, so this is a tactical question, just really quick. Someone asked earlier, does the, do the content owners, now we're talking going back about hijacking content, right? Do the content owners ever have an issue with you piggybacking on their content with your CTA? So I answered, you want to answer this?
0: Yeah, sure, I can answer that real quick. First of all, content uh, publishers, when you drive when you're driving traffic to that piece of content, they're still getting those eyeballs. So if they have AdSense, if they have other links on that site, if they have affiliate links, whatever they have, they're still getting that traffic, okay? So you're not you're not being evil in any way. That said, if there is a content publisher who doesn't want you to iframe their content, that's the the geeky term behind it, they can opt out of it. Okay? There's a way that in their page they can opt out of it. So Does it happen? Yeah. Is it frequent? No. It's, it, it, we don't hear about it very much at all. Mac, did you want to add something to that?
1: I was just going to say, someone said this in the audience, but don't forget we're promoting them. A creator wants nothing more yeah. than people to view their work, whether they're an artist or they make videos or they write blog posts They're you know, or they write books. Creators put content out there in hopes that a lot of eyeballs see it. So ultimately yep. what you're doing is you're getting more people to see their content. You are just getting the opportunity to siphon engagement from it. So actually in many cases, you're helping them.
0: So if you're over in LinkedIn, in. Suzanne, I hope you were able to drop that link in there. If you want to get a demo, if you want to feel what uh, OptiChannels channels like, if you're on LinkedIn specifically right now, write the word demo. I want to make sure that Suzanne can get that to you. Write the word demo in the LinkedIn chat, and she'll reply back to you with that link that Mackenzie just uh, mentioned, which is www.marketingsmissinglink.com. I see some people playing around with it right now, like Victor. I see Victor just did it. So please make sure uh, Mark is asking for it here in Zoom. All right. we'll get it, we'll get it to Mark. If you can throw it back in there again here in Zoom. Over on LinkedIn, I have a question for all of you, LinkedIn and Zoom, as as McKinsey's looking through the, the remainder of the questions here. For those of you who are still here with us, and again, thank you for being here. What was the top thing? Let's say the number one or number two things that stood out from today's presentation, the the light bulb moments that you had, the the aha moments that you had where you're like, oh my goodness, that just connected something for me that I hadn't thought about before. Or shoot, that's why it hasn't been working. Now I realize what I was missing. What was that aha moment for you? Please give us that gift. Go over into Zoom, drop it into Zoom, think about it for a moment or over in LinkedIn, write it down. And I want to take a chance to to take a gander at that. Mac, did you see another question come in?
1: No, just looking through. I'm just making sure. So Brett out. says,
0: better understanding of LinkedIn posting. Dana is saying, I still want to see how this can integrate with ABM. Dana, I think Dana asked a question about ABM maybe over in uh, the Q&A in Zoom. Is that right?
1: That was Sandra.
0: Why don't you, Dana, can you articulate just a little bit more about your ABM uh, strategy? And Dana, did you set up a time to speak? If not, let's make sure we do that so we can go into your question in greater detail. Again, that link, let me throw it up here on the screen. just. in. There it is on the screen. It should be there shortly. So let's see. Katie says the aha for her was it doesn't matter where we are, but where our audience is. Yes. Good, Katie. And this idea of being content deficient. Great. I'm glad that helped, Katie. Thank you for sharing that with us. For the rest of you, please, what stood out today? What was the thing, the one or two things that made an impression? And I'm going to check over here on LinkedIn, see what people are saying there. I see Paula is over there on LinkedIn. Jody is on LinkedIn. Thank you, Jody. Paula says thank you. You guys rock. Thank you, Paula. Everybody else who's there on LinkedIn, drop, drop a comment. Say hi, Dave, over there on LinkedIn. I want to see who <laughs> you are because I'm not able to, I'm not able to easily see your names. Just drop hi, Dave. I just did that a second ago. Let's see. Ginger says, My aha moments. Don't waste your time in channels where your customers or potential customers are not. And secondly, how many people want to do this but don't have the time and you guys can do it? Okay, she's, so ginger is saying, I realize that mindfire can help us implement this is that what you're saying ginger i think i understand michael is saying the ability to piggyback on other content is amazing great way to capture a focused prospect hey joe i see you over there on linkedin thank you kiki is saying thank you guys great presentation mark says thanks dave and mac don't be scared
1: maybe that's huh? is unlock
0: unlock got it got it I i'm like know, i'm not know. fearful man life is good Thank the Lord. Mackenzie says, uh, oh, thank you, Kiki. That's you, Mackenzie. Ginger (laughs) says, yes. All right. So I see you, Joe, over there on LinkedIn. If the rest of you are on LinkedIn, please drop me a hello. I want to see who you are. I want to engage with you. And uh, Mark is saying, yes, that was the aha moment. All right, folks, what else do you have on your mind? We want to make sure we answer everything. Mackenzie, again, thank you for being uh, so gracious with your time.
1: Thank you. I think a few people. Sandra says, does it it matter if you're using account-based marketing to compare apples to apples for results? She said, we're getting bites just not conversions. And then lately they're finding us on social media. Okay. So this is good. So I want to unpack a few things here. Number one is regarding this account-based marketing strategy in my, through my vantage point, account-based marketing just means that you are targeting multiple people at an account, right? With some specific strategy of how you can help them now. As we said many slides ago, one of the things that we learned during this process was that decisions are not made in isolation, right? Decisions at businesses are typically, depending on where you look, made between 5.4 to seven people. That means if someone wants to sell to MindFire, let's say they wanna sell me, it's in their best interest to become visible to Dave, to me, to other, you know, Suzanne, to other people on our team here. So yes, absolutely. This takes into consideration account-based marketing strategy. Number two, you say getting bites, just not conversions. So that means, but then they're finding you elsewhere. That means let's say you're sending out emails as one of your channels and you're getting opens, you're getting clicks, but no one's actually responding or converting. But then those people see your same content on social media, or they reach out to you on LinkedIn. That's all a part of it, right? Because Part of the strategy, a big part of the strategy, number three, is sharing it on multiple platforms, right? Because the more you share your valuable content with your desired audience on multiple places, the wider of a net that you cast to get in front of them. And let's be real, everyone's busy. So let's say let's say you text me and I see it and then I put down the phone and then you email me or you comment to me on social, you're giving me me the opportunity to see your message again and be like, oh yeah, Dave wrote me. So I think what you're saying, Sandra, is don't don't get worried if only one of those channels is getting you exposure right? Because it comes back in the other channels as well. I think that's really important to discuss.
0: I see a a note here from Robin, which is really sweet. It says, uh, doing the same thing gets the same results. This is a must do, not an option if you want to keep going. Thank you so much. You guys Makes so much sense. Robin, smiley face. Robin, we love you. Thank you. All right, (laughs) folks. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Had a post about that. What else do you need from McKenzie, everyone? What else do you want to hear from us? Thank you all for being here. I still see a bunch of you here in Zoom. I've just dropped into LinkedIn. What's that?
1: I said, there's a ton of people here. How can we help you?
0: What do you need, folks? I don't want to hold everyone too much longer. Sheesh, it's been two hours already, Mackenzie. I didn't even realize. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been awesome to be here. I just want one
1: last point. That's what I text you this morning. So yes, this is, and since I get the opportunity to talk to many of you, I get the opportunity to hear what are the things that you're worrying about in your head. Right. And so typically I either hear one of two things and I'm going to describe it. They say, you know what? I I'm going to send a bunch of stuff out there or they hyper-focus on the quality. Something that I often say is the best marketing is not the best marketing, it's the marketing that gets out the door. So I want you to think about something because you need to have both pieces of this equation to get a successful recipe. I want you to think about an X and a Y axis like this, right? Can you see my hands, Dave? I want you to think of at bat, okay? Quantity, at bat. On the Y axis, I want you to think of quality. How good and valuable is your content to your viewers? Let's pretend you produce the most amazing, beautiful video content that could ever be produced, but you don't actually get it out there. You're zero on the X-axis, a million on the Y-axis. Your results are still zero, right? On the other end, let's say you have a million at-bats. You send out content a zillion times but the quality is zero meaning people in your audience, they don't, it's maybe it's just self-promotion or they just don't resonate with it. You're still at a zero. So quality is important and quantity is important. You need to have, you wanna find the intersection of good quality content in the eyes of your viewers and at back, right? So you need to get it out there and it needs to be good. So instead of hyper-focusing just on content or just on quality, I want you to realize that you need to find the intersection of both and be willing to do both to get it out there.
0: Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, if you're getting value out of this, it would mean the world to us if you could go over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. We're still trying to figure out if this is the right name for it. We might go through a renaming. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. And uh, I would love it if you could email us david.rosendahl at mindfireinc.com. If you're hearing this right now, so david.rosendahl at mindfireinc.com. Just send us a little note. Let us know if you found this episode valuable, if you found it helpful. And also let us know if there's anything else that you would like to hear about on the podcast. We're gonna be investing quite a bit into producing these episodes for you, and I want to make sure they're delivering you value. All right? Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Talk to you later.